Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today, I'm here with Maurice Moore. Hey. <laughs> So you were born in Springfield, Illinois. Springfield, Illinois. Born there, but not raised. Yeah. I uh, moved to Canada when I was very young. I don't even remember Springfield, really. Oh. But, you know, I was born here, so I got that, that dual citizenship, baby. Was it for your parents' job that you moved to Ottawa? Yeah, my parents. My parents uh, moved to Canada. My mom's Canadian, so oh, okay. um, they, they came back to Canada when I was young to raise, to raise us in Ottawa. Um, and then they divorced, actually, when I was six. Um, but that gave me like a cool little dynamic of like <clears throat> meeting different people and going to different schools and stuff like that. What yeah. kind of careers were your parents in or no? My mom is a nurse, mm -hmm. a very good nurse. <laughs> um, my dad is a chef and a lab technologist. Oh, that's so cool. It's pretty cool. It's a cool combo. Yeah. Um, and then I actually have like a huge like blended family. So I have step parents. Uh, my stepmother is a social worker. And uh, my stepdad is a police officer. Mm, and you also have really diverse, like ethnicities from your parents, right? I think I read in previous interviews. What, yeah, what yeah. were they again? Um, so my dad is black. Um, I got black, white, uh, Native American, and so they say, Cuban as well. Oh wow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of it's definitely very eclectic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that has like also bled into other areas of my life. That eclecticness. I think I just see the world like. Everything is connected, you know what I mean? Yeah. Same way that I was raised with so many different cultures and different foods and ways of looking at the world. I think that's just become like my personality almost. Mm -hmm. Even in my music too, actually. And was it difficult your parents divorced when you were, at, when you were six? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, you already felt it back then. Um, I, was, I was very young um, and I think it affected me in some ways. You know, I was, I was sad. I always, believed in love I still do mm -hmm. so I just wanted to see my, my parents happy but they're so happy now so I, I think like as time went on in hindsight I think it was the best thing that could have happened uh, for my parents to, to be truly happy mm -hmm. so I'm happy I'm happy yeah. yeah I think it affects some of my other siblings a little bit differently but for me I think it just like taught me about the things that I want in my life also the things that I don't want you know mm -hmm. yeah what kind of music was your mom playing in the house when you were growing up Shania Twain. <laughs> She's my favorite. I yeah. love Shania Twain. Um, Tupac. Lots of Tupac in my house. Lots of gospel music. Um, but again, very eclectic taste in music in my family. You know, my dad's side um, was very into like hip hop and African music, like Nigerian music. So I always be listening to that. Um, and then my mom was listening to like Shania Twain and more like pop music. I was listening to literally everything. Yeah. Everything. I'm just like a music lover all, mm -hmm. all around. So, yeah. And you were in a duo with your sister, right? What was it called? Like Retro Future or something? Retro Future. Yeah. Yo, you did your research. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> how did that form? Or how old were you when that happened? I must have been like 14, 15. Mm -hmm. Up until like probably, I want to say 16. Um, I started out like when I first started doing music, I was I was just rapping. J Fizz. J Fizzo. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just rapping. That was like kind of my introduction to music was through rapping and hip hop and battle rap. Like that was my shit. 
And then progressively, you know, my sister was getting into music as well and singing and writing. And one day she asked me like, you should sing on this song. I need like a male voice. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 I don't sing. I don't do that. But eventually, you know, she, she convinced me. And I don't know, just that feeling of, of hearing myself back in that like vulnerable singing. I don't know, it just it hit me differently than when I was rapping. So we, we started a group from that point on called Retro Future. Um, blending sort of old school R&B vibes with the new. Mm -hmm. Hence the name, Retro yeah. Future. And yeah, we did that for about three, four years. We were on the radio. Um, and then she moved to Toronto and I continued to you know, pursue my, my music career separately as solo artist. Mm -hmm. yeah. Was it surprising that you like had this voice that you didn't know? Because you were just focusing on rap. You didn't even realize you had this like lovely, like soulful voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? I didn't I didn't I didn't know until I saw women react mm. to it. I think like <laughs> and initially I just I thought it was fun but I didn't think I was that good. Until I saw the way that I could connect with women through music and through singing, I just felt like I was able to show a whole other side of myself, which was more vulnerable and less like, hey, I need to be a tough guy all the time. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. And I think that was what drew me the most to music was um, I felt like it just connected me with a different energy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Actually, yeah. how did your music get on the radio? radio or how did you even circulate that? Um, so there's this guy named Brian Tong. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he was like my first little manager and he would kind of take us around the radio stations and bring us to the mall and like make us sing to like random oh, people. Oh, I like 15, 16 or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And that was really like, honestly, that was like so instrumental to like allowing me to be able to perform and be confident. Because he just like forced us. Like we'd be walking down the street and like, hey, go, go up to her and sing to her. <laughs> like true like old school manager stuff. So he was, he was great and he really started getting the ball rolling for our careers. And was that like original music you guys were writing or? Yes. yes. Wow. And how did you even find producers back then? I, or did I you make it? everything. Damn. I produced everything. Yeah, good old internet. Shout out to the internet. Um, I'm an internet baby. I learned yeah. how to do everything, just YouTube. And I remember I had like a cheap little laptop microphone and that's mm -hmm. how we used to record our songs before we could, you know, get better equipment. And uh, yeah, we just, we kind of self-taught everything, even singing, singing, rapping, producing, just straight internet babies. Mm -hmm. yeah. And your, what's your mom supportive of you guys? Always. Doing, yeah. Always. Wow. Um, my family is so supportive with just anything, anything we want to do. You know, they're gonna push us to the limits and, and make sure we're serious about our what we're trying to do. But at the end of the day, I think my family has always been, have my back and my mm -hmm. best interests in mind. It was also a struggle though, right? Cause you were also helping your mom like pay the bills and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, our family was, um, like I said, you know, it's a blended family. So there's, there's all sorts of complex mm -hmm. moving parts. But I think, you know, me, in my family, I felt like I was just somebody that really wanted to just bring everybody together. I love that, yeah. Yeah. So, nah, I'm, I'm definitely a family man. Maurice Moore is a family man. The <laughs> <laughs> quote. When you grew up, you were like vegetarian, right? Or were you already vegan growing up? I went vegan in 11th grade. But before that, I ate meat, I went to McDonald's, oh. I went to... I ate everything. <laughs> yeah, well, what made you change that? That's like a big part of your life now. Definitely, yeah. definitely. I think like it started out as mostly uh, like a spiritual decision. Oh. Um, it wasn't anything related to animals or the environment. 
it just started out as like a decision that I felt like for me to spiritually be as pure, if you will, um, as I wanted to be and as connected and grounded, I had to, to learn how to, you know, be able to respect all the life around me, including <laughs> animals. Um, so it started with that, but then I started learning about nutrition. I started learning yeah. about my health. I started learning about the environment. And then it was like, okay, why would I not? Why would I not do this? Yeah. This, this is something that I want to do probably for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> yeah. How did you get more into that, your athletic side? Because you were doing, was it football or? Football, yes. Yeah. American football. Um, that's, I would say that was my first love. Um, my mm. first, my, my God-given talent before music, actually. Um, and to this day, you know, it's still something that I do. It's still something that I that I love. And you never know, maybe you'll see me suit up one of these days again. <laughs> um, but that's, that was like when I was born, athletics were just always something I excelled in. I would always be the fastest kid wherever I went. And um, You're, You were nearly being recruited, right? Or Yeah, I was actually, um, I was an All-American. Which is, I guess you could say, like one of the highest honors that you can have as a, a football athlete in, in North America. Um, and definitely highly recruited. Um, but I ultimately, I decided, you know, I wanted to do music with my career and pursue that. But it wasn't until my first semester of college um, on a scholarship. Oh, where did you go? Uh, so this was at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. So I spent one semester there. And I was battling with it, you know, playing football, practicing every day, um, training every single day. But on my mind, every single day was just music. I just wanted to make music. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I couldn't do it because I was just, I was too busy. Um, so, you know, eventually I just, I decided like, I need to do this. I need to give all of my heart and soul to this. So I, mm -hmm. I packed it up, moved to LA, mm -hmm. and here we are. <laughs> Was it challenging? Because at that point, it's probably easier for her to be like an athlete because you're already in college compared to you didn't really know many people in music, did you? Um, you know what's crazy is I actually did. I was oh. I had been doing music for years before um, I fully like committed to it. Oh, 100%. so you had the same contacts that you were using back then? When you yeah, were I definitely had sure. contact. Not as much as I do today, yeah. but I think it was just like I wasn't I wasn't able to to actually act on those contacts that I had because I just was so far away and so distant mm -hmm. with my football. Um, but I was, I was a hustler, man. I was, I've been doing this for a long time since I was a little kid. I was, I was selling my mixtapes. I was putting out albums and singles and all kinds of stuff like that. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of my career back then, but it just wasn't full time. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely challenging. It was emotionally challenging more than anything because anytime you're dealing with matters of the heart things that you really love it's always challenging and I still to this day love both mm -hmm. so. and when you decided that you want to drop out like did you already put out music or where was your career at? Um, at the time um, I had put out I had just put out my second mixtape or my second EP sorry and um, I had been doing lots of shows and stuff like that, one-off shows, and I did South by Southwest. Things were like really starting to like pick up, you know what I mean? And I had signed with my manager, who's still my manager today, and we were just, we were really grinding. We would fly out to LA for like a weekend or a oh, week and okay. just do sessions and meet people. And you know, the buzz was going crazy, but at the same time, I just, I couldn't act on it because I was, I was training my ass off and mm -hmm. obviously in school. So that was like, it was just a no brainer at that point. It's like, do you want to go to the next level? Do you want to take the next step? 
then you know what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, talk a bit about your the summer company grant that you got. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So in Ottawa, Ottawa is the capital city of Canada, mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of you know government organizations that work to help upcoming artists and like people that just in the arts in general. And one of them, they had um, an entrepreneur grant for young entrepreneurs. And I remember my mom called me one day uh, well, <laughs> after school. She's like, they got this summer company grant. You need to go over to City Hall and you need to apply. So um, I had to put together a business plan. This must have, I must have been about 14 at the time. Oh, okay. Um, I had to put together a business plan. <laughs> it's so cute. It was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> you still have it? I still do, actually. Oh, I do. That's awesome. Um, and they, they gave they gave me I think it was like three grand which probably doesn't seem like much now but back That's then a lot. it was huge yeah. for me and it, it allowed me to build my my recording studio um, in my in my house which ended up being the place where everything really started and began you know I, I would have all the rappers in the city all the singers would come to my spot to come record oh wow. like a lot older than you oh like, yeah way older than well me. how did you even meet them. Um, so I was like I said I was in I was really deep into battle rap when I was younger um, And so I would be like anywhere where there was hip-hop music in Ottawa I wanted to be there. I would be there and I would meet everybody. I would battle people I was just I'd just be like the 13 year old kid that they're like, oh this kid's this kid's dope I like him like yeah. he got a good energy So that was sort of how I met people and people sort of bought into my talent and Allowed me to you know, they trusted me with their music and that's how I learned how to how to craft my own songs by seeing all these incredible artists in my city come in here and watch how they work and how they like to do things. So yeah, that that that, that grant really changed my life for real. Wow. Yeah. And when you first moved to LA, were you working other jobs or how was the transition like? Um, by the time I moved to LA, this was about a year ago. I, I think it was already I was already full time oh, okay. musician. Um, music has I've been blessed to be able to do music full time for a living. Mm -hmm. um, so by the time I got here, it was more just about executing and continuing to build my, my brand and get my name out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. How did you meet Kalani and become part of the Tsunami Mob? Shout out to the internet once again. <laughs> um, I remember I, I put out this song called Typhoon in 2016 and it, and it had a bunch of like references to like these Kehlani songs. Oh, so it was she, on purpose? It was on but purpose. you wanted to get her attention? I wanted her to see it because at the time I just remember like she had put out Cloud 19 mm -hmm. and I, I really, I felt like our sounds were so like similar. She felt like the, almost like the female version of myself. Um, so I really, I connected with her music and I wanted, I wanted to, to work with her. So she heard the song and uh, you know, a couple weeks later, we were in LA working together. Oh. Yeah, so it was just, it was really cool. Like, I remember my fans just blowing her up, like, look at this, look at this, more, <laughs> more. And uh, yeah, from then on, we just became really good friends and started working together. And uh, yeah. 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 And did you know from the onset that it was plausible or like that you could uh, write behind the scenes for other people? Did I know that I could? Yeah. Um, you know what's funny is... you came to be like an artist first and foremost, but then you're also doing stuff for like other artists, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I've, always, I've always done both. Because mm -hmm. um, like I said, when I was doing the studio, there'd be some guys that come in and um, they'd be like, man, I wish I had a stronger hook. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, well, what about this? <laughs> yeah. And so that's when I really figured out like, oh, I could actually, you know, build a career and build these relationships by helping other people with their craft as well. So with songwriting, it was something I feel like has been there from, from day one. Um, but I remember, I think it was 2015, my song LOL was sampled by uh, Chris Brown. 
mm. on his song Liquor. Yeah. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, maybe I could really write for some of my favorite artists. And I came to LA and started, started shaking hands and getting in these rooms however I could. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, a couple, a couple years later, now songwriting is a big part of my career. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the Trey songs come about? Um, I was working with uh, Troy Taylor, who's a, a very incredible producer. Um, and he, he works very closely with Trey Songs. And um, when I was putting out, when I was working on the Amber Room, Troy Taylor kind of guided us through everything. He was like, "This is the, like the old school Trey Songs records," and would show us all the 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 background vocals oh, and cool. everything. So that was really how like you know I got involved with that that camp over there. And those guys, those guys are real R&B masters, man. Mm -hmm. You guys don't even understand. Like these guys taught me so much. Um, but yeah, that was all through Troy Taylor, man. Troy Taylor, shout out to you if you're watching this. <laughs> yeah. How about with her? Her. Um, I actually met her here in LA at Paramount Studios. Um, I was in a studio session with this producer named uh, Swag Arcelius, and uh, I remember like couples hours into the session, her walks in, um, and at this point. I didn't know who she was, mm -hmm. but you know there was an instant just like connection. Yeah. Um, musically, we were just going off of each other, and we had these incredible, beautiful conversations. Um, and from there on, you know, we just we kept in touch, and we just kept working and collaborating together. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you get more into the K-pop with EXO and Entity? Um. So I want to say in like 2015, when all the songwriting stuff was starting to pick up. Um, I was becoming a little more sought after and people were starting to check for me um, and Warner actually asked me they're like yo um, we got a camp going on in Korea right now writing songs for EXO mm -hmm. do you want to go you, do you know EXO you gotta leave point? tomorrow I didn't know EXO at yeah. that point so you didn't you weren't too familiar with K-pop I wasn't that was yeah. my first time but your stuff like, is actually pretty K-pop anyway yeah that's what yeah. they that's what that's what they said they said your stuff kind of reminds me of K-pop I think you should you would do well out there so yeah I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the music, and yeah, I went to Korea and got my first, my first K-pop plaque. <laughs> How was it? Do you? It's not really in the session with these people, right? It's mostly you guys write it as like a camera, and then pitch it to the artist, right? Sometimes yeah. it's a little bit of both. Like I, I when I first went to Korea, actually, um, I met a lot of the EXO members. I got oh, to wow. work really closely with uh, Lei from EXO. Um, so it's sometimes, you know, sometimes you're in with them, sometimes it's it's like you send the records out, but it's it's a back and forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it different with the lyrics though? Because a lot of their lyrics is quite different <laughs> to the like American type. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the like subject way more matter. Censored. Yeah, it's way more censored yeah. for sure. Um, but it's kind of fun to write that way because it, it kind of reminds me of when I was a little bit younger, <laughs> like 16, kind of writing these like love songs. Yeah. It's fun to channel that energy, you know what I mean? So I, I enjoy it. And you know, sometimes they keep the edgy stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they I'm do. Always, I'm always, I put one or two right? in there. And I'm like, what? That. what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How about with Justine Sky? Uh, Justine Sky, uh, I was at Rock Nation a couple of years ago, and uh, I think, well, at the time they were they were trying to sign me, mm. Rock Nation, and um, they were working on Justine Sky's debut album, and they said, listen, we need we need the sauce, we need the sauce, yeah. and I was like. Come on, let's go. So they, they actually arranged the session and I didn't think she was going to be there. I just walked in the room and there she was, Justine. Oh, wow. And uh, she's such a sweetheart, such a great, just a great person. 
um, and the music kind of came very naturally in the in the studio. But it was mad cool to work with her. Um, there's so many like talented women right now in the music industry. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. I love to be around that energy. I love to be able to write. I like writing for women. I find it's like a it's cool to like flip perspectives. Mm, I find I'm learning. I learn more about women trying to understand their perspective while I'm writing from their oh, perspective. Oh, that's cool. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's fun. It's very cool. <laughs> so you said in a previous interview that moving to LA, you had to have a thicker skin. Definitely. Yeah. In what way? Um, I think, you know, if you're if you're a true artist, mm -hmm. you're gonna do things that people might not fully understand the moment that you do it you know your your ideas your vision it's yours um, and mm -hmm. not everyone is meant to understand that coming out here just made me realize that I need to always stand behind my vision 100% um, because it's so easy to let people out here manipulate you so easy for people to tell you maybe oh, we think you need to be more like this or maybe if you were just you know a little more like that you have to really, you have to really have a lot of confidence mm -hmm. in yourself to be able to, you know, stay true to your vision. Um, and at the same time, you know, I've I've learned a lot out here. Um, but thicker skin is something that I had to develop in order to stay confident in my vision, even when some people might not believe in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's okay. I think as an artist, that's you're gonna face those roadblocks. It's inevitable. Um, but just staying true to myself and, you know, just staying along my path. That's that's always the most important thing for me. And that's what really living out here solidified that in my mm -hmm. life. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind Destination Unknown? My life. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like we're saying, you know, learning how to trust my vision. Um, Destination Unknown. I mean, you don't, you might not know what's coming next in your life. Um, neither do I. I just kind of try to stay in the moment. Um, and Destination Unknown kind of taught me when you're staying in the moment, there's a lot to learn that's just right in front of you. Sometimes we just we're thinking too much about, oh, well, what if what about the future or the past? We're thinking about bad things that happened in our past. We're not living in the right here to be able to deal with our own problems and to deal with the emotional things that we're going through. So just being more present. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely my life, you know, I went through a lot in the past year, breakups, moving to a new city, um, you know, having to be on my own for the first time. So many things happening at once. Um, and I think Destination Unknown was me like coping with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you say your music has changed compared to the early songs you made? Um, I'm a little bit, a little bit older now. Not much, but <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think uh, naturally the subject matter is, is maturing. Um, I think I'm still, you know, I'm still young, I'm still having fun, I'm still living my best life. But I think I just have a little bit more to say. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of things going on in this world that I, that I feel like um, need attention. And so with my music, I, I, I try to sprinkle in as much knowledge and yeah. as much, you know, quality substance that I can. As much as, you know, we're in a world that's all about, you know, the superficial. Um, but I try to sprinkle as much, you know, substance as I can in my music. I think that's the biggest thing that changed mm -hmm. is, you know, just me maturing and becoming more of a man. Yeah. What would you say have been your biggest challenges in life so far? I guess other than what you mentioned previously. <laughs> um, I think for me, the biggest challenge um, in my life right now is, I don't, I don't know if I would call it a challenge, but more something that I have to accept is, 
you know, there's a lot of things in life that we can't control. People that we love, they're gonna, they're gonna lie to us, they might hurt us, they might leave our lives. Um, tragedies are gonna happen, bad things will happen. Um, but I think what I've learned this year is like to accept the things that I can't control and not dwell on them, don't give my energy to them, don't overly focus on them. Um, it's made me a lot happier of a person. But I think it's an ongoing challenge, you know, there's so much going on around us and just having to kind of stay contained and stay positive throughout that, keep my youthful spirit at all times. And that's like the biggest challenge. Yeah. You know, all these people trying to change you, all the bad stuff happening, to stay, to stay pure means you have to, you really protect your energy and protect your mind. So that's, that's the biggest challenge for mm -hmm. sure. But I enjoy the challenge. Yeah. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. What does love mean to you? Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. <laughs> simple answer yeah because I, I genuinely I, gen, I genuinely um, everything that motivates my decisions is, is is rooted in in love I love I love my life I love people I love nature everything love is everything man mm-hmm yeah with that last question what would you want to be remembered for <laughs> See what she's doing to me. Um, <laughs> what do I want to be remembered for? I think ultimately, um, I want to be remembered as as a good man. Um, I definitely, you know, I think in life, you know, I the achievements, the the decorated trophy case, all that stuff is great. Um, and and if I have all that, that's great. But I think ultimately, I just want to, I want to mean something to the people that are close to me. I want to make a difference in their lives, so that's it. I just want to be remembered as a good man, made a difference, a positive difference in people's mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. yeah, I love this. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I'll hug you with one arm, one arm on the camera. <laughs> Bye, guys.